Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Tzariches. Today's shir is Le'ilunishmas Avram ben Yaakov and Avigda ben, Yo- ben Yona Hamama and Chaim ben Ruvain. May the Neshomas have an aliyah and may the memory be a blessing. Okay, we're going to go from about the 15th last line of Tzari Zayin Amodbeis, the Vahot Tanya, the first word of the line is Le Yerushalayim. What we're discussing here is that here, if someone says, um, "I'll lend you," I'll lend you, and they specify for money, we mentioned you have to pay back in money that is usable. So here the question is, can I pay you in uh, dollars? Can I pay you in shekels? And Shmuel came along and said that um, if, and Shmuel came along and we qualified his statement, but basically that if the person is going to travel to that place. You can pay them in that currency. So if I know you're going to London, I know you're going to Israel, then I can pay you in pounds or shekels. If you're not planning on traveling, well, then it's considered useless. It's not considered money, and you can't. Now, where we were challenging this idea from was quite interestingly, was from um, Master Shani. Because Master Shani, you have to take the... Um, you take the money up to your Rashid, you transfer the holiness of the produce onto the money, and you take the money up to your Shalim and spend it there. Now, however, it also has to be money. So we're going to kind of say the same definition that qualifies as Master Shani money qualifies as, um, as a money for paying back a debt when that's what's specified. So... So, so in the previous piece, you know what, I'm actually going to go from the Toshma, we'll try to do it quickly. It takes us back another six, seven lines. But Toshma, You can't transfer the Kedusha of Maus of Eretz Israel when the person is in Babel. Or on Babylonian coins when the person's in Israel. However, you are in Babel and you, you can transfer it onto Babylonian currency. Ketani Mir, the important point for us is, you can't um, transfer on money which is here, in Eretz Yisrael money, when the person's in Babel. This is even though you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. Because that's what you have to do with the money. You have to take it up to spend in Eretz Yisrael. So we see that that seems to be a challenge on Shmuel, who said if, you can, if the person's traveling to that place, you can count it as money. Do you want me to try and move these a bit? No, no, no. Okay. No, no, no. Um, so, and what are we dealing with here? No, it's where the kingdoms are very strict on each other. I, that you're not going to be allowed to take your money up to... If they catch you with the Babylonian coins, they're going to confiscate them if you try to get them to Eretz Israel. Therefore, it's not... Um, Viable. It's, that's why it's not considered currency here. Well, then what are you going to do with pay, redeeming your master shiny produce onto Babylonian coins? You're in Babel, you've got to redeem it onto Babylonian coins, and you're never going to be able to get them up to Yerushalayim. So, now the case is you can buy an animal with it and take it up to Yerushalayim. Tosos asks a strong question here is once you've taken that money, that once you've transferred um, and there's a whole complication with buying Master Shani using Master Shani money to buy animals outside of Kutzlaretz etc um and by the you're supposed to spend it on money in your you're supposed to spend it in Yerushalayim. You can buy animals in Yerushalayim. So so how here can we suggest that you redeem it onto an animal or redeem, or redeem it onto money and then buy an animal with it? I mean the simplest answer I think is that there's no other option you're allowed to do it. Like it's more a zera than a din. Okay, but carrying on for because of this, which the context there seems to be 
Machatzis HaShekel, some do learn at Maaseh Shaini, they instituted that you can spend any money in Yerushalayim. When you got to Yerushalayim, the government, the king of Israel, is not allowed to have any restrictions on what currency you're using there. And this is because everyone's going to be paying their Machatzis HaShekel, and the sum is going to come from Persia, um, Bavel, South Africa, America, you know, that's all the machatzis shekel come from all over the world. So you accept it and you can spend it in whatever currency it is. I mean, they're going to use it to buy korbanos there, but that, or primarily korbanos, but that's the machatzis shekel. So we see that in Yerushalayim, you can't have a case where they're not going to let you spend the Babylonian coins in Yerushalayim. So, we, so that can't be the explanation. It says, no, Yisrael Literally, their hands are stronger than the nations. I, they're independent, they're in control. And and here is where the umasoilam are stronger than literally than themselves, but it means are in control of Israel. So, for example, maybe when the Romans were in control of Yerushalayim, even though the Jews were still living and around in the base of Migdash, you would they would not have let someone spend their Babylonian coins in Yerushalayim, and that's when you have the above case. Okay, um, now, so Shmuel's halacha seems, Shmuel's din seems to stand. Now we move on to the next point. And this, I've got to admit, I don't understand what it is, what the Gemara is trying to tell us here. What is the coin of Yerushalayim? David and Shlomo on the one side, and the, it's the, and Yerushalayim on the other side. What's the coin of Avram Avinu? Zokan Uzakaina Mitzad Echod. An elder man and woman on one side. I think that's Avram and Sarai, right? if I remember correctly. Yes. And Bochuru Basula Mitzad Acher. And a young man and woman on the other side. Yitzchak and Rivka. Not sure why is the Gemara telling us what's Yerushalayim coin and what's a, and what's a, the coin of Avram? Uh, I don't know, but just Tosfos here bring out raise an interesting issue. They say um, yeah, I'm not sure what it's referring to the first part. It says It appears that it wasn't an image of an elderly man and woman. Or a elderly or a young man or woman on the other side. You're not allowed to make the form a 3D image of a person, and the mold of a coin, the imprint of a coin, would be that. It was the writing. It was written Zokain as a Kaina and Bahrubsula but not that Jewish. The Khain Perish Bakuntras Kabe David Shlom of Yerushalayim Rakodesh, Ekan Hoyo Kosubamatbe that was written on the coin. I mean this is a big machlok as exactly when can you make a three D image of a person or when can't you or a form of a picture of a person. But here Tosas are very clear, at least according to these Tosas, it would be also to have a picture of a person on a coin. And that's uh, if I remember correctly in the Sekhas of Zora. There's a discussion there that how would the pious people handle money because the kings and queens always put their face on the coin. On the coin. So how do they uh, handle these co- coins which are problematic? I think it comes up in Avodah Zorah. I don't remember why. Okay, let's go on to the next point. If someone lends their friend for money, so again, this is that point is now you have an obligation to pay back the same money. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether you lent him fruit or you lent him money, but the deal is you're going to pay me back 200 rand. Now, just to make it uh, easier for us, remember their coins were the actual value was the amount of precious metal it was made of. A silver coin with more silver was more valuable than a silver coin with less uh, than a smaller silver coin. And a gold coin was more valuable and the bigger the gold coin the more valuable it was. Um, so for his, so, what, so you lent them for a coin, for coin. So let's say you lent him a seller and now you're going to get paid a seller or ten sellers. Well you see for all of and they added to it. Mahu what's the So when you borrowed the money from me it was the equivalent of 10 saloim, that weight of coin. The new coin, a new seller coin, is actually bigger. So in theory it's worth more, but it's what I lent you. I lent you sellers, I expect sellers back. That's alamat for the coin. 
And we also we mentioned in the previous sugya that alamat bear means you have to pay back in the usable currency. So it has to be in the new coins. So, yes, you pay him back in the coin that is used at that time. Now, what's the obvious question on that? What's the problem with paying back with the current coins? That's, well, the current coins are worth more than what, if you're going to pay me back in 10 cents, then that's ribis. I lent you, so just to make it easier, I don't know, a thousand grams of silver, and now you're paying me back 1,200 grams of silver. He says, So he asked him, he says, Is this even if the new coin is as big as a sieve, an sieve, even if it's as big as a tarche, yes, no matter how big it changes, you pay back with the new coins. But the produce is cheaper. I think this means in regards to the sloim, the money is cheaper. What you used to be able to get for one seller, you can now get uh, more for one seller. So again, isn't that really? Yeah, if it's because of the coin that the produce is cheaper, then you actually do detract from it. So you will calculate the... You'll translate it into its real value. Um, with the old coins, you could get, uh, I don't know, one uh, a kilogram, and with the new coins, you can get 1,000, uh, one and a half kilograms. So you're going to actually say, pay in the new coins the equivalent of one kilogram of produce. There's other imach must tarizil, however, if it's due to market conditions that it's gone cheaper, loimanakinan, lay, we don't, um, we don't detract from it. Aye, so because it's, it's a, at least similar value um, you'll be getting. So what's market? Market value is that whatever, it's been a good year, so there's abundance of produce, so things are cheaper. Or it's a few years later, so maybe you'll take inflation into account. You know, that's what, that's understood market conditions. And therefore, if, it's, if the produce is cheaper because of market conditions, well, then we're not going to make him pay in the old currency. It's... it's it's, it's, it's independent of the coin that the produce is cheaper. Okay, but still he's gaining regarding, regarding the metal value of it. I, this coin, before he had, I don't know, one kilogram of uh, silver, and now he's got 1.2 kilograms of silver. So even though it's not, he doesn't have more spending power, he still has more silver. That in itself should be considered ribis. So he says, yeah, so you have to revise it and say the condition is Kihot Rav Papa Rav Huna Brader of Yeshua, Rav Papa and Rav Huna Brader of Yeshua of the Uvda, Bezuzad Argomos Taya. There was a whole case, and when they went to the coins of Argimos Taya, Ad Yud Betimna, they say you allow for adjustment up to 10 over 8. I a 20. I'm not sure if you're measuring outside or inside, but a 20% um, in, uh, fluctuation. So what are we saying here? It seems uh, it's tricky to work out because what's the case, etc. But it seems the case that we're dealing with was basically our case. Someone lent someone with old, with to be paid back in current money, and the money changed over the loan. So now they go. Now they're now if you're going to give back. 10 sloim, the same 10 sloim that he lent, it's actually, it's, it's 20% more valuable. So they said, they paskin that, yeah, within 20% you leave it as it is. So it was 10 coins and you pay back 10 coins. Oh, it's going to be uh, 15% more, you leave it. And, but if it's going to be more than that 10%, so 10 over 8, then you would say, you know what, give him the value according to the new coin. You have to pay him in the new coins, but you would give him less new coins. So instead of giving him 10, you would give him 8 coins. So that's the that's what they pass getting there. Uh, you still have the question, but what about that extra 20%? That's still ribis, isn't it? And it's a fair amount. It's not, a, it's not an insignificant 10%. So I heard that the one answer given in the Shittimukubet says is that you've got to remember, again, their coins were not as uniform as ours. Ours, when the, when the treasury prints coins, prints, mold, uh, mint stands coins, coins, mint coins, yeah, mint coins, um, they're basically all the exact same. They're the exact same weight, exact same composition, etc. But in those days, when you made a coin, it was within a range. It was in a, within an acceptable range. And not only that, 
older coins which had some of the material worn off or the picture not as clear, they were harder to spend, or they got chipped, they got worth more or less. So all the, all the coins were within a range, and therefore it's not unreasonable to say as long as the new and the old coins are within 20% of each other, that's fair, that's within reason even with current coins in circulation. Okay, next point. If you throw your friend's coin into the Mediterranean Sea, Potter, you're exempt. My timer, what's the reason? This sounds like clear damage. So we are going to revise the case that we think it is. I just don't want to uh, spoil it. Um, because you can say to him, look, it's right there. E-boy, chocolate, go jump in and get it. Says, this is where it's clear water, where he can see it. But if it's murky water where he can't see the coin, um, it's not fitting. Tosas explain what does it mean, murky or clear water? Is the coin accessible? Could you say, would, could you say to someone or a dava, they actually use the word baramora, which is a dava, could you tell the dava, look, he threw my Rolex and it's sitting at the bottom of the water there, go fetch it. So cl- normally if it's clear water, you can get a dava to fetch it. If it's murky water, you can't. But it's actually in the, it's not really to do whether it's clear or murky. It's got to do with, is it accessible? Can you send someone after it? Says, now, this is the important point. At the end of the day, you took his watch and your, or his coins and you threw it into the sea. Shouldn't you be liable? So he says, Vahani mili da ajia No, it's where you just bumped him. Uh, you bumped him and caused him to drop his coin into the, into the water. Aval shakle be Migzal Gazlei Hashova Boy Mayvad. But if you actually took the coin and threw it into the water, well then you've stolen. And if you've stolen, you have an added obligation, not just to make sure that he can get his thing back, but to actually give it back to him. I don't think, have we discussed it yet, but um, what happens can I, if I stole from you and then I'm too embarrassed to return, can I put it in your post box? Or do I have to let you know that I've returned it? But there is that obligation that I actually have to go ahead and return it. Yeah, I think it was maybe last Shabbos is that. Well, yeah, so that's why I didn't discuss it with you, but, um, and I don't remember it as clearly. <laughs> um, but that's, yeah, so, so that's that. But here, when there's an obligation to actually return it, so that's not good enough. Um, oh, so what really, what once, really all the guys trying to sue you for, again, the money's accessible. Interesting. If you bump the person and he can't get the money, then you're guilty. I think, it, but if he can get the money, then you're innocent. Because all you're really causing him is the expenses of uh, paying his friend or his diver to jump in and get it. And that's a grommet. The coin's there, you haven't done anything to the coin, and therefore it's just a grommet to the, the cost. And uh, as we know, we don't obligate a person a grommet. You can't transfer Master Shani onto money that's not in his reshus. Kate said. What would be, such a case be? If there was money like in a fortress or a or a, or Haramelech, Rashi explains these are like far inaccessible, dangerous to travel to places. So, or his wallets fallen into the Mediterranean, and you can't transfer money. We see that it's not considered there. Just even though the money's there, since it's not with him since it's at the bottom of the ocean he can't retrieve it easily it's in a bank vault somewhere um then uh you can't um you can't uh so what does it say? Yeah, it's not considered with you. So again, here he, the coin should be considered inaccessible, or even though it's there. So Amaraba shiny le inyan maaser the inyan matzu biyadecha the Rachmano Amar b'tarat akese biyadecha veleika. There's no maaser different because the, it has to be in his hand, much more on a literal level. I don't know how literal, but much more closer to in his hand. Because the Posuk says, and you will bundle the Kesef in your hand. The lake, and if it's at the bottom of the Mediterranean, or if it's in one of these far-flying fortresses, 
well then it's not accessible and you would not be able to uh, to say it um, just interestingly here where was it um, just in the He says, what's this kastara? So this is the Yavet on this point in the Gemara. What's a kastara? So I said a fortress. But he says, who binyan chazak? Shemei shimim shom, maos shel bale, etc. It's a place where people store their money. Le shomrom, hated to guard it well. Mokom betuach, in a very secure place. You've gone bank to Amsterdam by Hamburg, like the banks of Amsterdam and Hamburg. The Yavet traveled, uh, I mean, he was born in Jakob ben Svi Emden. He was born in Europe. Where maybe Emden, um, but Eastern Europe. I'm not sure if it was Russia or Lithuania or Poland, but he's born around there. And for various reasons, he traveled to like Amsterdam and became at his father. No, it was his father who traveled to Amsterdam and became around there. So he's from there. So he says, "This is Shenim Sorim Bomals Harabim Shemakbidim Oisom Shomu B'Schar Shenoistim Lamoish Leir Shohoyu Malsem Betuch V'Shomrimig." But basically, what we would call a bank, you pay someone to look after your money in a safe, secure place. That's, uh, um, they got it from Nathan Aveda, and it's all recalled in journals. So, I mean, exactly what we would call a bank. I mean, nowadays, I guess it would be more the security deposit because banks are digital, but that's the, uh, that's this customer here. So, money in the bank, since it's inaccessible, is considered for Maaser, that's not considered there. But for other halachas, it might actually be considered still there. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, you can ask, so that's their banks, which I mean, actually, I gave them my money, and they would put it away. Now that it's all digital, my money's as accessible in the bank as, in some ways, it's more usable, the money that's in the bank, and I can just use my card tap to pay, or my phone to tap to pay. It's more accessible than cash. Yeah. So that would, mark, I wonder how that would change these halachas. Um, you have to go another step, a step further and ask, can you transfer Master Shaney onto a credit, a credit card or something like that, which I'm leaning to say no, but we have to look into those halakhas more carefully. Isn't that recognized currency today? It's recognized currency, but it's not like transferring, what you're transferring the Master Shaney Kedusha onto. Transfer on your credit card. But that's all, I don't know what the word is, but that's uh, untangible. So, I mean, once it's one thing, let's say I have, I don't know, uh, a thousand rand in my bank account. Can you transfer your master Shaney onto the money in the bank account? And say that one thousand rand has to be spent in Yerushalayim. I'm not, uh, I don't want to pass, I'm just raising no, it's an interesting it's question because you don't have because, because things have changed yeah, you don't extent. have you hardly, um, you hardly ever handle the actual money yeah, we don't go to Yerushalayim with Masa Shani ok, let's assume that we did, obviously that's a totally oh, yeah, different question, it, but it, it, let's assume you nobody will have to pass they'll have to work it out ok <laughs> what were you saying, sorry? Well, the money is still available Cash. Yes, yeah. So you saying you'd have to get cash to, for your master shiny money? Okay. For Omar Rabbah and Rabbah says, "Hashap If you smooth your friend's coin, you're exempt from causing him damage. Now the damage you've done there is basically he still has the coin and it's still the same amount of metal. It's just not as spendable because it's flat. It's more a nugget now than a coin. It says my timer to hold over midi. You haven't done anything to it. So this is obviously where you smoothed it. Uh, you hit it with a hammer. With, yeah, sorry, you hit it with a hammer. With tarshay and smooth it. But if you file it down, that's how you got it smooth. Well, now it's lacking. When you file, you're scraping off some of the gold. So it's actually, it was a, I don't know, 100 gram gold coin. And now it's a 95 gram gold coin. You've actually ruined it. So therefore... Um, you've uh, you hive. So interestingly, the essence of a coin is the precious metal that it is. And 
Therefore, when you smooth the face without doing anything, just by like hammering it smooth, you've actually, it's kind of a grommer, because the grommer is, and now it's going to be harder when he goes to pick and pay, they're not going to want to accept it. Is it then recognized? Yeah. Um, but you haven't actually done any real damage to the coin. No. Um, interesting, if you did file it down, yeah. Okay, Mosif Rava, Rava challenged this. He says, Hiku al oino vesima, if you hit the slave in his eye and he became blind, or al osno v'chersho, or on his ear and he became deaf. Now this is the, this is the key point. You hit him in his ear and he went deaf. Has he lost anything? Granted, when you poked him in his eye, he lost his eye. When you punched him in the ear and he's gone deaf, has he lost anything? He says, but Ebed Yoytzebor, the slave goes free. So we see that even if you cause damage through a grommer, you should be, in through this sort of indirect, you should be chayev. So, just to finish off the b'risa, if you hit him near his eye, like on the wall next to his eye, or and he goes blind, or on the wall next to his ear, and he goes deaf, the slave does not go free. That's because it's the slave, like, what's it, frightening himself. But again, we have this concern that at the end of the day, when you punch the slave in the ear, granted he's gone deaf, nothing's changed. So therefore, you shouldn't be liable. Like Rabbi just said, if you smooth the coin with a hammer, nothing's changed. Indirectly, it's a it's a groma because now he can't spend the money, or it's a groma, I guess, because he can't. Yeah. So he says, no, Rabbi, the time of the Amar Rabbi, Rabbi is going according to his logic. He says, if someone makes his father deaf, he's put to death. Now we know a person's only liable if they injure their father by making an internal or in- or external injury. So why, if you punch him in the ear and he goes deaf, again, what? You haven't drawn any blood. You haven't caused an injury. So he says, no, she has shal lecharisha beloi chabura de tipus damen ofeles lebulia. He says, no, it's impossible to make someone death without the injury for that, like a drop of blood falls in his ear. So you can't see the damage you've done, but he did lose blood. So that's why, um, bah, that's why Rabbah will agree if you punch someone in the ear and they go deaf, you chayah for nezikin or the slave would go free. He says, but Omar, another teaching of Rabbah. We're going to have a whole lot of teaching of Rabbah. And Rabbah and, um, Rashi points out that time the Rabbah bekulu mishum groma The reason for Rabbah in all these cases is what we call a groma benezikin. It's indirect damage, and that's why you liable. So we've done two of them. The first one was um, regarding, well, actually more. The first one was um, bumping your friend so his money or something falls into the ocean. The second one was, um, and the second one we've done was smoothing the coin. And now we're on to the third one. If you slit the ear of your friend's cow, you're exempt. My timer, the law of Vodvilomili. The cow has the same market value because it's a, it's, you haven't done anything to it. You, the cow is as useful whether its ears being slit or not. It can plow as well, it can thresh as well, it can produce as much more. So its market value is going to be the same. But there is a problem now, you can't use it as a carbon. So he says, Ah, the Kulushvarim, love the Gabem is And animals, not all oxen, are set to be Karbonos. So we're basically saying it really is insignificant, I guess, that this animal can't be used as a korban. And therefore, what would be if the owner wanted to use this cow as a korban? He'd have to exchange it for another cow, which could be of basically the exact same value, just without a split ear. So really, all the, the only damage you're causing him is the mission of replacing his cow. So that's why you exempt, because that's a groma. Says Mosiv Rava, Rava challenged us. How is the malacha by my chattas of a paras chattas? Potumi dina orem chabinene shomayim. If you do malacha with the water that's supposed to be used for the paraduma, the purifying water, or you do work with the ka, the actual paraduma, you're exempt me dina orem, but you chabinene shomayim. 
Now, we're not discussing the cow now, we're discussing the water. Remember, the water that you draw to mix the ash with the water has to be whatever, all its requirements, and it can't have done work with it. If you used it as a scale, as a counterbalance on a scale, you've done work for it, and now what's the guy going to have to do? He's going to have to go and draw more water for the paraduma. So what's the damage? Most water is for drinking or cooking or washing dishes. One jug of water every few years is for the mixture of the paraduma ashes. So therefore, it is hezek that is not recognizable. And it's not, and you haven't really lowered its value because it's, it can still be used for cooking or drinking. However, you just can't use it as mechata. So what's the groma? He's going to have to go to the mission or pay someone to replace it. But again, that's indirect. And therefore, we could want to say it's the same thing with someone who slits their cow's ear. Sorry. Now, 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 sorry, now we bring out the main point. It says, This mission is saying, when do you invalidate the water? You invalidate the water and you're not chayef because there's no recognizable damage. The water looks the exact same. But, but splitting the cow's ear, you should be liable even for dinayorum. Sorry, so that's the challenge. I, I didn't explain it clearly. But the challenge is that the cow is here it's specifying when you're not Chabidene Oram, where it's Hezek Shaina Nika, where you can't see what the guy's done. But, where, but in a case where you split the ear, you can see what the guy's done. So you should be liable. So Omriya, who are din da'afilu tzoyrim potter? No. Actually, even if you split the ear, you'd be potter. And hoko ma'ashvalon da'afilu melochot zolom min karezeike chaibidine shumayim. And what the novelty of this is, is that even if the damage is not recognizable, you're liable for dinay shumayim. You might have thought you're not even liable for dinay shumayim when you use this water because it's not... There's no sign of any damage to the water. It's the exact same water. Just can't be used for the paraduma because you, you did malach with it. So maybe you put to be dinner shemaim. No, you can't. That's the novelty there. But obviously, if you even if you split the animals here, you would also be potur. So for Omer Rabbah, new point. If you burn someone's star, you're exempt because you can say, okay, fine, I owe you a piece of paper. Now, again, he needed the star to collect 10 million rand. And now that you've burnt it, he can't collect that money. You're still exempt because all you did, what did you burn? A piece of paper. He says, Matkiflo Rami Barchama. Hey, Chidami, Rami Barchama says, what case are we talking about? This doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah, better get my foster. If you have Adim who know what was written on the star, they can just rewrite the star. And therefore, you haven't caused any loss. It says, If there's no witnesses, well then, even if he says, I used that star for 10, that star I could have collected 10 million rand, we can't take him at face value. So anyway, how much would we make the guy pay? He burnt the star. We don't know. It says, It's where he trusts him. He says, Oh, you telling me you burnt a star worth 10 million rand? I believe you. And therefore, you should pay. You burnt the star, you should pay the 10 million rand. Rabbi comes along and says, no, you're exempt. Because you didn't burn the 10 million rand, you just burnt the star, the piece of paper. But you can God, you force him to get proof that, that you can collect the 10 million rand. No, you can't do that. I mean, I mean what has he done to you? He's just uh, ruined the star, so your star is ruined. Yeah, but, but he hasn't ruined it. Let's see a bit further. Word. Your method of collecting yeah. the children. Let's see. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, but that's again. Okay. Let's see a bit further. I think we'll clarify. So, Omar Abdimi Barchanin, Ahod Rabbi Machloikes, Rabbi Shimon, Verabonon, he, this of Rabbi is actually Machloikes, Rabbi Shimon, the Rabbi Shimon, the Omar Dover, I got him, the Mamun, Kamamun, Damichab. According to Rabbi Shimon, if you cause, if you do damage that, the damage itself is not significant, but it causes someone a loss of money, you're liable. So he wants to say here, yeah, like you want to say, Rabbi Shimon should hold him, he should be liable. Just because it causes money, it's not viewed as money, 
Loma Chayev, you would not be Chayev. So that T1 she says actually Machok is done. It says Matriet Lora Huna Braid Rav Yeshua. Huna Braid Rav Yeshua is basically coming along and he's going to say that no, everyone agrees in this case. When do we say Dovra Goyim Lamamon Kamamon Dami? That's something like, I mean, I'm just explaining the Gemara before we go into it. That's something like Chomets where they, it was worth money. Now it's after Pesach, so it's worthless. But in essence, it, or essence, or initially it was worth money. Therefore, Dovra Goyim Kamamon Dami. However, here, this star, this piece of paper, never had any worth. And the value of a piece of paper. As a piece of paper. As a piece of paper. But that's all you damaged, the piece of paper. But the thing is this, is if I owe you 10 million rand, and you've got a start to prove And it's burned. And I get hold of the start and burn it, then I say, I don't owe you 10 million rand. I've damaged you. Well, but indirectly. It's still damaged. But again, Grom and Yupato from. Um, says, so he says, well, So let's just see uh, the point I just mentioned. So, so when do we only know that Rabbi Shimon holds that something that causes a loss of money is like money? But Dovor Sheikro Mamon was something that at essence is money. I'm a bit behind, so you have you get a good few minutes. Kedarabba. That's like Rabba. To Amar Rabba Gozel. It's essence is money. If someone comes and burns chomets on Pesach and another person comes and burns it on the festival, Potter, you're exempt. Because everyone's obligated to burn it. Now I was just thinking, so you have chomets in your house on Pesach and I know about it, I'm obligated to burn it. What's my mitzvah to burn it? What obligation do I have to burn it? So I saw Rabbi Khanum brings it in. He says there's an opinion that any Jew who owns money, any sorry, any chomets owned by a Jew, you transgress if you I guess see it or have it in your possession. So therefore, so I don't transgress. I'm allowed to burn it. That's the goyim. But even according to others that know, it's only your chomets that you transgress with. It says there's a mitzvah to lahafrishot to stop someone else doing averes. So you're allowed to burn it to save the other Jew from doing our barriers. And interesting enough, he says the nafkamina would be if it belongs to a child. So a child has his chomet uh, sweet collection. Are you obligated to burn it? According to the second answer, lahafrishomina is or no. According to the reason that all Jews could be li- could be liable for a Jew's chomets, then yes, you are. Interesting, Rabbi Elchanan. Something to think about. It. Okay, but that's before that. Now, the important point for us: If the chometz is after Pesach, now we have machloikas Rabbi Shimon Rabbonin. The Rabbi Shimon, according to Rabbi Shimon, that says something that causes a monetary value. You liable. So again, if you stole your friend's chomet and now it's after Pesach and you want to give it back, you're liable. You're exempt. But, but this is always something that starts off with a monetary value. Who says Rabbi Shimon would say this by something that never had a monetary value? Like a star. The star itself never has a monetary value. When you burn it, all you've done is burn the star. You're right, there is no way to collect the money. And you've caused, but that's the key point, you've caused. You haven't damaged him, you've caused him a damage. That now he won't be able to collect. So, according to the opinion that you do judge Dine de Garmi, you can collect the may star ma'alia, the full damage of the star. And according to the opinion that you, we do not judge dinner the garmi, you can only collect the value of the money. Have they Yeah. So I mean, but this is a big question. We've mentioned it already in this Masechta, but it's important to note: is there a difference between grom and garmi on the surface? And this is how the Ramban learns. Rashi learns: there's no difference. So if you pass can like Rebbe Meir, huh? Grom and garmi. Is there a difference? The Ramban learns he has a whole essay on this topic. It's not a straightforward thing. Um, according to Rashi, it's the same thing. And therefore, if you pass like Rabbi Meir, that you chayv on dinner the garmi, you also chayv on groma. And all these cases we've been discussing now, you'll actually be liable for. That's on the one way. The other way, and then there might be a few examples where it's a big grommer that Rashi would agree. That's how you'd have to do something like that. But many Rishonim learn, no, there's a difference between grom and garmi. Now, they all try to work, what's the definition, what's the clear definition, what's the clear underlying principle to distinguish between grom and garmi? 
which is very, again, very difficult. I said the Ramban has a whole essay on this, but for example, Tosfos and many distinguish between them. To put it simply, they both indirect, like we've been discussing now. When you burn a piece of paper, you haven't damaged him, you haven't done anything to him, but indirectly you've caused it, and now he can't collect this 10 million rand loan. So he's going to be furious. But that, so that's that's a or there even more further grommets. You tie someone up. And a lion jumps in and water things. One second, one second. But what's the difference? So the very simply, the difference is Garmi would be more direct, indirect, and Groma indirect. But and then you would make a decision. Groma is always potter, and Garmi we pass an agreement that you have. Let's just finish this point. Uma, na, yeah, sorry. So what did you want to say, Janet? I don't think you're responsible for the piece of paper you burn, but you're responsible for the money. Yeah, but you haven't done. Yeah, but I mean, you haven't uh, you haven't damaged his money. That's the problem here. If I take your shirt and I tear it, or I take your money and I break it up, I've damaged your property. But here, what what have I damaged? I've just damaged the paper. So that's why that's why it's a garmi. The question is, are you liable for garmi or not? Um, did you want to say something? No, no, okay. So, have a uv de bekafiyeh rafram? Did I give the same answer? Have a uv de bekafiyeh rafram? Ravashi. There's a case where rafram forced Ravashi for agbi bay kashura letzalma, and he made so Ravashi burned someone's star, and rafram made him pay back kashura letzalma from his best, uh, like a beam used for carving, the best property he had. We may Ravashi. Now this, this 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 creates a whole lot of issues for us. Ravashi. Ravashi was the god of Atori, was the person we attribute as writing or compiling the Gomorrah to something you know exactly not clear exactly what, but at least compiling the Gomorrah primarily, or one of the primary compilers of the Gomorrah, is Ravashi. The God of Ador. What, what are you talking about? He was burning someone's star. So someone who say, you know what, maybe he was a bit of a wild person and then he did chuva and he became the Ravashi. Others are very, very unhappy with saying that. Ravashi, no, can't be. And Rashi explains interestingly that no, it, yes, you're, it's Ravashi, there's not a chance he would have burned It was when he was a little kid. He was playing when he was with matches when he was a little kid and he burned someone's stuff. And now, but now you create another problem. you telling me, didn't we learn in a Mishnah... A few weeks ago, that if a child causes damage, it's bad luck, or you get into a fight with a child, it's bad, bad news because he's exempt. Rashi seems to be learning that he's exempt while he's a child, but then when he becomes an adult, he's liable. That's not what we said in the Gemara over there. We, see, we seem to say completely exempt, and that would be the standard Allah. A child's not responsible for his actions. So, so Rashi is created. So you kind of have to then say, Rashi, Rashi, no, they're going with Mimushura Sajim. A child doesn't have to pay back for damages he did when he's an adult, but for someone like Ravashi, Rafram said you have to and made him pay. Okay, and also Rafram is forcing Ravashi to do Lifim Shuratin, which is also an interesting discussion in its own right. Okay, let's, uh, let's go on. Just got a long Are you liable for your child? Let's say he's standing with your child and you tell him to go and burn something. Look, if you tell him to do it, it's a grama. Well, it's, a, it's still. Still, remember we discussed if a child, if you hand a child a coal or you hand him a litten flame or you hand him uh, matches and paper. We discussed that early, early on in the Masechta. Not going into it now, that was early in the Masechta. You're either going to have to do Chazor or you're going to have to wait seven years. Uh, Who's the Tanu who holds with Isur Hano? You can say, behold what is yours is before you. Sorry, why are we saying that? Because our Mishnah mentioned, if you have, or we just mentioned, if you have Chomah for all of us, Pesach, Okay, you took some of the Chomahs, after Pesach, you're not allowed to, that Chomah has to be destroyed. You can't get benefit from Chomahs that was kept over Pesach. But you can say, oh, that bottle of whiskey I stole, here it is. It's worthless. But you can do that, because it says, it says, Rabbi Yaakov, here, specifically Rabbi Yaakov. The key point is, Rabbi Yaakov is saying it's only Rabbi Yaakov, and not Rabbon, the Tanya, as we learned in the Braisa. Rabbi Yaakov, 
If a shor kills a person, so now remember it's going to be sentenced to death and become osur bahano, but at the moment it hasn't been trialed yet. So if you sell it, it's a good sale. If you sanctify it, it's a good uh, kiddushin. And if you shecht it, you can eat the meat. And if he returns it, it's a good returning. Nigma, you know, however, once the verdict has been passed, um, all those things, you can't sell it, you can't hegdish it, and you can't sanctify it, and you can't shecht it and eat it, or even if you do shecht it, you can't eat it because it's asur v'anah. And if the shoymer returns it, it's not considered returned because he borrowed a cow and now he's returning something worthless. So it's Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov says, no, even once the verdict is passed, if he returns it, it's considered returned. I grant that the cow's worth nothing now. You return the cow. My love, how can we flee? Rabbi Yaakov, so far, Oimrim is Bisura, Hanoa, Rachel, Cholab, Benecha, Rabbon, and so far, Ain Oimrim Bisura, Hanoa, Rachel, Cholab, Benecha. Must be Rabbi Yaakov holds that with Isura, Hanoa, if something becomes forbidden for benefit, since you can't see the damage at all, you can say, here's the cow. I borrowed this cow. I borrowed Daisy. Well, here's Daisy. Too bad that Daisy's worthless now and you have to, you can't sell it or do anything with it. Whereas the Rabbon hold, no. You can't say, Rachel, son of an you borrowed a cow worth a thousand rand. You can't return a cow worth zero rand. Now, Omale Rabbe Law. Rabbe says, no, you misunderstand. Rabbe Chizda, you're incorrect. says, Everyone agrees that you can say, with Isura no, behold, what is yours is before you. Now, what we basically say, well, if that's the case, then why did the Brysa with Rabbi Yaakov discuss the case of an ox? Just discuss the case of Homer's. Must be there's something unique in the case of an ox. And that's what he's going to show. Yes, the case of the ox is unique. We're going to see why that Rav Yaakov says it's still a valid returning and Rav Wannenhold is not a valid returning. But in general, both agree that you can say for example, with Chomets. So Amalai says, If it's true that um, the Machloikes is... Can you say Then they should have argued with Chometz Pesach. They're arguing. The argument in this price between the Rabbon and Rabbi Yaakov is: Can you conclude the judgment of an ox when it's not there? I, the ox has to be present for the aidim, etc. Does it have to be present when you issue the verdict? Remember, this, there's similarities between judging a person and judging an ox. So does the Nawa, Rabbonon Sovri, Ain Gorin Dinashal Shoshalo Befana. The Rabbonon hold, you cannot conclude the judgment of the ox when it's not there. Therefore, the Omar Lay, the owner of the cow, says to the Shoimer, If you would have brought it to me, I would have chased my ox into the valley. It would have got mixed up with the rest of the herd, into the, or the swamp. It would have got mixed up with the rest of the herd, and they wouldn't be able to issue the verdict, and it would not become forbidden for benefit. So I could have saved my money. Now you've handed it over to someone who I can't debate with. You've given it to, you took my cow and you gave it to Baizdin. There's not, now there's nothing I can do. You causing me that money. You causing me that loss. Interesting, would it have to be where the Shomer handed the money to the, to the, to the Baizdin? If Basin came and took it, then he wouldn't have this claim. Okay, but that's a side point. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Um, you can conclude the judgment of an ox when it's not there. And therefore the Shomer can say, either way, they would have judged the case when the ox is not there. And this, that you chased it to the valley doesn't help because it's still Osirvano, even though it's sitting out in the valley and Baisdin can't tell you which one it is. There's an ox in the valley, in, in the outcome of the valley, which is forbidden for benefit. So, so all of them would be forbidden for benefit. Oh, okay, yeah, but discussion there, yeah. If you can't tell which one. So, so therefore, Rabbi is saying no. Everyone agrees with this surah and no, you can say, Harashal Chalap Necho. If the Shomer gets hold of this ox, he can say, here's your ox, even though it's worthless now. Here's Daisy, and it's even though it's worthless now. Or, again, like we said with Chomet, you stole a bottle of Blue Label, and after Pesach, it's now worth, you didn't sell your, you didn't uh, destroy it before Pesach. 
see now you've got a bottle of blue label after Pesach, that's Osur Bahano, Gazadim, here's your blue label. And oh, it's worthless, I have to go and pour it down the drain. Yeah, too bad. Now, remember, it was Rav Chizda who said that the Machloikes Rabbonin and Rabbi Yaakov is whether you can say that, Harashul Cholopanecho. Rav came along and said, no, everyone agrees with Harashul Cholopanecho. Rav Chizda learned, it's a Machloikes. So, Eshul Chay Rav Chizda, Rav Bashmul, Omelet, Tanis, Miri, Bisura, Anot. Do you have anything regarding this halacha to teach me of, regarding Isura, Anot? So, Omelet, in, I do. Tanina, we learned in the Mishnah. Vahishif, Sakzaila, Matod, Lamer, Asher, Gozal. The positive says, Vahishif, Sakzaila, you shall return the theft. Why does it have to come along and then say, which you stole? What other theft are you going to return, if not the theft you saw? It says, Yachzir Ka'ein Shegozel, to teach us that you return it as it's stolen. Mikan Omru, from here they say, Gozel Mabdev Benitvo, Paris Ve'ichivu, Ya'in Ve'ichmit. If you stole money and it became invalid, wine and it became chomets, a vinegar, a fruit and it started and it became rotten, Truma Ve'nitmes, Truma and it became chomets, Chomets Vavala Pesach, Chomets and it was now Pesach, Bahima Ve'nevdo Bo'avera, an animal that you didn't have with, Veshor Ad Shaloi Nigmar Dinner, an ox before the judgment has been passed, you can say here your ox is before you. We see this brass is very clear. You can say Arashal Cholofanecho. Again, unlike Rav Chizda who wanted to say according to, well, we're, going, we're going to clarify now, but unlike Rav Chizda who wanted to say according to Rabbonin you can't, but according to Rabbi Yaakov you can, this brass is plain. It says, Who's the opinion who say you can return it until the judgment has been passed, but not after the judgment? It's one Rabbonin. Uktani and it teaches Chometz for Avalava Pesach, Chometz that Pesach has transferred. You can say, here's your Chometz back. So, but we, so we see very clearly according to this price that this price is the Rabbonin, and they hold, you can say, Harashal Cholofonecho. So, you, unlike Rav Chizdu, who wanted to say that it's a Machloikis Rabbi Yaakov and Rabbonin. So, Rav Chizdu has been rejected. So, Omar Lei, I Mishkachas Lehu, if you find my students or the other scholars in the yeshiva, please don't tell them this. I don't want to be embarrassed that I proved wrong. Very interesting. I would have expected him to stand for the truth, be excited. But maybe he's not ready for it to be publicized. I thought, but I found this quite a bewildering statement of Rukhista. If you have fruit that it's rotten, you can say, behold, here's your fruit. Right, so you steal fruit, rot, rot, so you say, oh, here's the box of grapes I stole. I know it's all moldy and thing, but it's but didn't we say in our Mishnah that's considered a shilu and you have to pay back the value of the item as you stole it, the fruit when you stole it? So says, No, it depends how much it started to rot. If the grapes have just started to go a bit mushy, so you can give them, say, here the grapes as they are. They basically they, they look the exact same, but if they've started to go real real rot and mold, well then it's a shilu and you have to pay back the value at the time it was stolen. Okay, so in short. You can say Harashul Cholofanecho, according to the conclusion of the Gemara. We also saw Rabbah bringing many cases of Gromol Garmi. Rabbah says you're potter in all of them, but that would depend on how you pass and regarding Garmi, and we'll leave it there for today.